nice resonance that table. <laughs> there you go. So welcome to another Creative Spin podcast. Uh, this is the place where uh, we uh, we try to get a whole bunch of creative people and just talk about some some interesting things. And today uh, we're, we're going to oh, how do, there you go. We didn't bring the drum sets, but we're using the table. I think this will be a, it'll be interesting to to see how it comes out. <laughs> but we're here today with Paul Hull, um, president and founder of Boom rhythm it's all about the rhythm it's all about rhythm there you go People so we'll, we'll we'll be talking about um interactive uh music making that basically uh what you're you're trying to do is bring teams together um we'll we'll be talking about um you know what it is to speak in a corporate environment um and basically we're gonna try to dig into to how this all became uh, a reality for you so sure we'll be talking right after the intro. Today's podcast is brought to you by Workplace One, a company offering boutique private offices, co-working spaces, virtual office solutions, and meeting rooms. Amazing spaces in the best neighborhoods in Toronto and Kitchener-Waterloo. Ideal for entrepreneurs, companies, and passionate business people. These spaces provide a stimulating environment to build, network, and drive business. With five different locations in Toronto and one in Kitchener, Workplace One is definitely where you want to be with your business. For more information, just uh, jump over to their website at workplaceone.com. Paul, thank you for, uh, for swinging by the Creative Spin podcast. Um, to, to everybody that, that's uh, listening to us or watching us at this point. Uh, how about you give us your, your little origin story? So how did you get into this whole music arena and, and mixing that with the corporate side of, of business, all that thing? I know, it's, it's hard to mix up. Anyway, thanks, <laughs> thanks, Jamie. Thanks for having me here. No, pleasure. Uh, so, uh, um, wow, it's a bit of a long story. I'll try and condense it as much as I can, but I'm a musician. I've always been a musician, always loved music. Uh, yeah ever since I figured it would get me out of English class in high school, <laughs> being in the band and going on band trips and stuff. Uh, and fortunately, um, music is uh, what helped me get out of high school as well. It's probably one of the main things. And, mm -hmm. and um, I went on to music, uh, university to study music, mm -hmm. um, not really knowing where that would take me, but it, uh, it was a uh, it was, uh, I didn't, I just wanted to be a rock star, but I ended up being a symphony musician. So that's because okay. it, it's it, still music, right? It is. And, and, and the cool things, I'm a, I was a percussionist or a drummer. I mean, a drum set was my first love, but I had a band teacher who said to me, listen, Paul, you can play the, you can play the drum set, but you see all these other instruments we have here, the timpani and uh, those kettle, the kettle drums or the bass drum or the cymbals, the triangle tambourine and xylophone. You need to learn to play all that too, because that's what you're going to play in high school band, mm -hmm. right? Um, and when you audition for university, you need to play those instruments to get into university and, and uh, for, so, for so music. So when did you actually start playing? Like at what age did you start playing? I really started to play drums seriously in grade 10. 
And I, okay. and, uh, and you know, my mom wanted me to take piano lessons when I was like younger, like eight or nine. And I said, oh, I don't want to do that. Who'd want to do that? Like really learn mm-hmm. to play the piano. Big mistake, by the way. Yeah. Uh, I should have done that. And, but we had a piano in the I house. I hope my kids are listening to yes. you right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I had a piano and a guitar in the house and, and I just picked them up and started to teach myself to play them. And this was before mm-hmm. YouTube also people, right? But, yeah. You know, so uh, I know that that's changed quite a oh, bit, yeah, but yeah, that's yeah. not true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah. So, but when, when I really, uh, when I really got into playing drums, uh, as I said, in grade 10, I fell in love with, with, in love with it. And I, it was just something I could spend all my time doing and without being told to practice. Like a lot of kids, I mean, I taught music for many years and, and some kids you really need to push to practice. Um, mm-hmm. You need to push me to practice. I loved it. And I pretty much decided within a year or so that I wanted to have a career as a musician, even though I didn't really know what that meant or where that would take me. But you, you, you knew that there was that feeling inside yeah, of you. There was, I mean, I mean, music I mean was part it. of it, it being a 14-year-old boy, it's, I mean, it's a bit egotistical playing drums. You're just playing tons of notes. There's tons of testosterone. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. You know, uh, there's applause. There's girls. I mean, it was, it was all good, right? Living the rock star dream, right? Living the rock star dream. And university, the thing about being a, a drummer percussionist, though, uh, is you're not really like more other classical musicians who might, like, really just play the classical stuff like a violin player might Mm -hmm. typically I'm generalizing a little bit Um, you're interested in anything rhythmic yeah and so that can take you into a lot of different worlds Uh, and that's what sort of that's kind of what I got pulled into I realized as I was learning to become a classical musician that I wanted more than that so I uh, even in my my first degree uh, even though I was playing a lot of classical music, uh, you know, I started the Dixieland band, for instance, and I was playing some of this. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. to make money. It's how I paid my way through uh, through university. Oh, that's cool. Okay, yeah. so and, and uh, there were some profits there. There's some profits there. <laughs> you know, I also started to teach a little bit, which was something you know I realized. Oh, I could make some money teaching even younger kids, like you know, eight-year-old kids when I was in university, make like more money per hour than working at the Bay, right, or something. Listen, like and, and you were doing something that you loved. So That's right. Perfect. That's right. Perfect combination. Um, and a big, uh, a big thing that happened for me is I came to Toronto, uh, and uh, uh, at the University of Toronto, there were some musicians from a group called Nexus. Mm-hmm. They've been around for 40 years now, this year, 40, 40 oh, seasons. Wow. And these were symphony musicians who are also... Uh, in their beginnings were really interested in music from different places in the world. So uh, I got to study with these guys and hang out with these guys and they exposed me to African drumming and, and drumming from other parts of the world. Uh, when I was at the university, and I said, wow, this is cool. Like, and the, and the a big thing was that um, what I realized is drumming from other parts in the world is not so much about you know, people who are up on stage drumming and having mm-hmm. an audience. People, if you go to an African village and there's something to celebrate, everybody's playing, everybody's Mm -hmm. singing, everybody's dancing. It's a very communal activity. And it's like that in so many cultures. It's like that in the Brazilian culture and Middle Eastern cultures. And, and I thought that was really that's, that's what kind of got you into, uh, into the corporate side of things. Absolutely. It was something that I realized, uh, later on that, that, that we need more of here. There's just, um, uh, that sense of of of, of a team of a group yeah, effort, right? Uh, yeah, building community. Yeah, I mean that's what that's what those cultures are so great at. Um, and in the classical music world, culture, classical music. I love classical music, but it's still this: you're really uh, a superstar at what you do, if you will, or a real expert, like a concert pianist or any mm-hmm. kind of soloist. And the people in the audience are are admirers, really, and rightly so. Uh, but it. Western European classical music has always been like that, whereas in yeah. these other cultural musics, um, 
It's just that community vibe is so prevalent. So I started to study music from different cultures and around the same time as I, my career was developing here in Toronto, I was playing with the opera and the ballet and symphony orchestras and you know wearing my tuxedo and playing triangle and doing all that stuff I was trained to do. But at the same time, I was also playing uh, at the bamboo on Queen Street, which is no longer there. The bamboo playing in an African drumming group uh, wearing a uh, full African costume, dripping wet with sweat, you know? And I was like, wow, it paid better to play the triangle, but it was sure pl fun to play African music, yeah, right? Yeah, that, um, so interesting. Yeah. And so when did you start thinking about, you know, this is pretty cool and I want to I wanna do this for a living in terms of, of making this a business? Like, how did that come to be? Yeah, well, musicians are slow. At, well, actually, I should say I've always been interested in the business side. I didn't want to be a starving artist by any stretch. Mm -hmm. So hence that going back to what I was saying in university, starting that Dixieland band was my was kind of one of my first tastes uh, because I had to run, I got a government grant to run that over the summer in, in Ottawa and for the National Capital Commission. I played in all the parks three hours a day. Mm -hmm. um, and they said, okay, but you're going to run this. So you got to go get a loan from the bank and, and uh, you got to pay all the musicians. And, uh, and so I got my sort of taste of being the band leader. Well, guess what? You get paid more to be the band leader than the guy in the band. Go. You get paid more to book the gigs, right? <laughs> and so that's, that's a good thing, right? Um, and so every time I've sort of gotten involved with music, I've always sort of had a business element going. Um, I was in a training orchestra for a while at the conservatory called the Orchestral Training Program. And from that, because I became the orchestra manager or the personnel manager, people would phone the conservatory saying, uh, can you hire us like a student orchestra to play at this church gig next in a couple of weeks? So guess what? I'm the contractor. I'm the leader of the band. I got yeah. paid more. I hired myself to play. And I also got paid to book all the other musicians, right? See, that's how so business starts. That's it. So I've always had that sort of realizing that, well, you know, I could sit back and wait for the phone to ring yeah. or I can, I can sort of put my name out there. And that was a... A big part of it and uh, through the conservatory again they asked me to do this project called learning through the arts where they took musicians from different art forms so a musician a dancer a puppeteer a, a, an art a graphic artist um, and put us in schools uh, tough schools in Toronto to help kids learn curriculum so for instance I wasn't brought in to teach music at all I was brought in to help kids understand math or science or geography and I would use what I was learning about world music and bring in all my drums and let them play but use those as the tools for them to get find ways to make a correlation between uh, mathematical ratios in music which is easy to do okay and also let them have fun learning at the yeah, same when you're time. you're talking about math, my head starts to hurt, sorry. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And, and from there, uh, teachers wanted to do that, principals wanted to get a sense of that, and, and I had some friends in the corporate world who said to me, uh, well, what could you do for us? And I said, what are your problems? Because really yeah. that's what I was using the instruments for, is they were problem-solving things. They were mm -hmm. just a way to address a problem. And they said, well, our problems are our people need to work together a little better. They need to collaborate more. They could listen to each other a little bit more. I said, you know what? That's what music is all about. Yeah, 100%. Right? And so that's sure. that's kind of how my business boom, The Power of Rhythm, was born. That was 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, is just using that the idea of here are these tools, what are your problems, and let me let me design something that that uh, that is fun for them to do. That was a big sneeze out there. <laughs> uh, fun to do, but helps get that message across to you in a, in a lighthearted way. But yeah, and and uh, from what uh, you know, we were talking earlier. Um, so you started integrating not not only music, but the speaking part um, of of 
these these events that y- you would would be putting out for for these uh, corporate companies. Um, the speaking part is that was that something that was natural to you, or or did it did it kind of start keep growing as as you were doing the shows or as you were interacting guess, with more people? Well, I guess it's probably fair to say I was always a bit of a I'm a very introverted person, but when I hit the stage, I, it's showtime. But that's usually the case with yeah, everybody. Yeah, I find, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, so um, I've learned that I'm best at that when I'm really well prepared. Uh, you know, because you sort of, as you grow as a musician, a player, and you start to you start to surround yourself with really great musicians, you start you start to get a little bit humble for a good reason, and you realize you really need to be able to uh, to uh, if you're going to be up on a stage, you need to be well prepared. And mm-hmm. and, and um, but I've never had any trouble getting up and speaking in front of an audience. I've always in, I've always enjoyed that. In, in my earlier years, I used to wing that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, um, it's funny. We all all kind of do that. Uh, you know, we start winging things when we don't know what we're doing, yeah. and then when we do know what we're doing, we start preparing. That's right. Isn't That's it right. interesting, though? Yeah. Well, you start to realize that okay, so you can wing it. So all that really shows is you have a little bit of aptitude, right? Yeah. Um, I, what I've what I've learned about really great speakers is they put in a lot of time and preparation, just like I would for any kind of performance. I would do, you know, hours of practicing, right? and and that will show at the end. That's right. Yeah, for sure, and. Um, I mean, I'm saying this because uh, we used to wing a lot of the podcasts in the beginning. And now, you know what? I actually spend a little bit of time. I try to to dig in, do a little bit of my uh, investigation, find out a little bit more about my guests yeah. and uh, just basically be more prepared so that when we're sitting here having a conversation, I'm not just winging it. And then all of a sudden conversation dries down and... What are you going to say? There's nothing to say. I had a, a great teacher by the name of John Wire, who was, again, one of these uh, members of uh, Nexus. And uh, remember he said to me when I was kind of starting to get into this, going in to do workshops and a lot more of those things, and he always said, a plan is something that you can throw away once, you've, once you're at the gig and it's going great. So true. Right? right? But it's, yeah. you've got to have it, in, uh, have it in your back pocket, right? Yeah, so, so true. So... You said you started 20 years ago, and obviously since then, things have changed. The world has changed dramatically. Um, talk to us a little bit about how it's affected you, like how you've changed your business, how you see the world now in terms of, of even your music part of things, the speaking stuff. Yeah, um, I think the the main thing that's changed, and I'm not sure if I could put a finger on when this really happened. I, I, well, I, think, I think the listeners might be able to figure this out. Um, when I first started doing this, I had I really took an experience, the drumming experience, and and gave it to an audience of non-musicians, and 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 found ways to talk about what I felt the drumming experience had to offer them, and and certainly there was I certainly had some depth there because I'd studied music from other cultures and I knew it's important it's important culturally. Um, and that was okay. I think that's been a, was okay into a point. But what's changed in the last five, ten years or so is I think audiences have really been are drilling down to what they want to come away from from any situation, anything they put their time into, uh, whether it's a, what they listen to or what they get, what they get to experience live, is the what's in it for me factor. Mm-hmm. That's what. That's what I think. And, and maybe we're all just more like that now. We've got our phones. We're looking. Are at we our being phones. more selfish? You think? Maybe. Maybe. I mean, I'm not. 
I'm hoping it's not a bad thing. You know, I, I, honestly, I think everything is is it comes and goes in waves, and and things change. But I, I have to agree with you. Um, we are, I think, as well, we are going into this wave of being very selfish. It's all about the selfie. It's all about me. Uh, I need this. I want this. Uh, hopefully, we'll go into another wave right after, which is, uh, you know what. Let's do this for the group. Let's that's do right. this for everybody. And and I think that's that's your main objective with uh, with with all these events. Yeah. Right? Well, what I talk about a lot to companies these days is I talk about listening and collaboration because mm-hmm. a lot of people don't know how to listen. Any uh, and uh, and uh, one of the stories I like to tell that was really an eye opener for me that happened early on in my career was, you know, I got hired to it was one of my first big gigs with a big orchestra, um, and I've got my music and I spent my time in my practice room by myself learning my music with my my metronome making sure it's in time and I got up there on stage for the first rehearsal and where the orchestra the piece starts conductors conducting and uh, and uh, you know I come in with my part he stops the whole orchestra we're talking like 60 80 100 people are on stage stops the whole you back there what are you doing I'm playing my part maestro I'm just in well you're not playing with us you know, you're, you, you might be playing your part, but you're not playing with us, you know, and, and he made it really hit me home that, well, yeah, I was, I was just playing my part and being really selfish about what I was doing and trying mm-hmm. to, tr- I thought I was playing with him, but the, p- the point was I wasn't linking what I was doing with the other musicians, yeah. right? And, and that's really the skill of a musician is that that music, that's just your job description for the, for mm-hmm. the piece. You're, you're really, what you really need to do is find a way to connect that to all the other musicians. Yeah, that's interesting. Out. I mean, and and uh, you're saying this, and I'm thinking there's. I think that is is the basis for everything. Like I'm thinking actors. If you just learn your lines and you completely disregard everybody else's lines, the story is gonna feel off, right? Because you're just doing your lines. That's right. I, yeah, it's it's interesting that uh, music. I, I've never thought about it because I'm unfortunately I'm not a musician. I love music, but I'm not a musician. And I never thought about it that way. But that's that's so interesting. And uh, there are a few. Th- topics that that you um you touch on i was digging through your website and, and i was looking in in there and you know obviously we've we've talked about the collaboration um but there's uh there's one that that stood out for me and i wanted you to kind of get again uh one of the parts in your website says when saying trust me is not enough i found that one interesting yeah, yeah. Can you dig into that one? Well, it's a just bit? it's just a common uh, one of the reasons that now this was a talk that came about. It wasn't even my idea. This was an idea of a client of mine who I had done a, done one of my listening and collaboration uh, programs for, and she called me up and said, "Listen, Paul, we're getting a bunch of people together, and we've got a bunch of a bunch of new leaders coming in. They're being just brought in," uh, and she said, "I think we've experienced your program, but we think you could actually do a really great program on trust." And I thought, wow, that's that's just a client coming to me and telling me what I'm going to be, going to be good at talking about, which I thought was really fascinating. Um, so I sat down and really thought about that. And um, trust, and I've written a few blog posts about it, and in and, and thinking about it, I realized that trust is, you can't just say that to some People say that all the time. Trust oh, me. Trust me. Trust, yeah, trust yeah, yeah. me. Yeah. And, and it's just not that easy. Trust is earned. Mm-hmm. Trust, trust develops over time. Trust is, um, every time we're... Uh, uh, we're t- having any kind of interaction with someone, it, there's some kind of trust mm-hmm. being developed. You and I, right here, yeah. right now, you know? Um, and uh, and so uh, in the musical world, it's a really important thing as far as being able to uh, 
to allow yourself to be as creative as you can possibly be. If you're on a stage with other musicians you trust, yeah. that they're going to, you know, they're not judging you in, in a bad way, they're, they're supporting you, um, you'll play much more freely. If you're, in a, if you're in a musical environment where you're really worried about what the people are going to think about you. You're, wor- you're thinking more about that part than the actual yeah, piece it'll, that you're, it'll, you're being You're going to yeah. be careful about what you do and stuff like yeah. that, right? Oh, and a really, in a real trusting environment, I don't think of a marriage, right? Yeah. I mean, how, how much of your real self does your spouse get to know that the rest of the world doesn't because you have this intimate trust yeah. with each other, right? And so, uh, yeah, that talk is really about... Uh, uh, I mean, uh, one of the first stories I share in that in that talk is about how I gained the trust of this woman, uh, who eventually became my wife, mm-hmm. right? And just just uh, it was just a series of steps that I that I went through uh, as we were building our relationship. But my my goal at the outset was I said, well, this I, this woman's great. I want I want to be with yeah, her. Yeah, and, right? and and the bottom line is that we're talking about corporations and businesses and all of these things. But this is life. Yes. At the end of the day, this is life and how we interact with with each yeah. other, right? Yeah. And um, yeah, it's some, but sometimes you know these are basic things that everybody knows, but we need to hear people talk about them. It's it's so interesting how, as human beings, we need to listen to other people, just talk about things that we already know. But we yeah. we need that. I guess the expert, uh, the expert words to kind of guide us uh, the right way, and and that's what uh, that's what you do, yeah. right? You're you're there for those people to to basically tell them, hey, listen, I know you guys know this, but you know, let's try doing it, right? Well, it's 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 easy to forget. Again, you know, I heard you talking on another podcast. Uh, uh, the guy you had last week, sorry, mm-hmm. I can't remember his name, um, talking about how crazy the world is, right? We're, yeah. all so, we're all so busy. It's really easy to forget. Again, we want, th- we want stuff quickly. Trust is not something you get quickly. Yeah. It's just not. Uh, You've got to invest time. Yeah, taking a product or taking what you do to a high level takes time. It's not. There's, you can't wing it. You can't wing it. You can't wing it. I mean, some people might get lucky, I suppose, if yeah, they sell their dot com or whatever. Right? But not all the time. Generally speaking, I found for the only thing that works well for me is just putting in the hard work. Is just hours of hard work and. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, to all the young entrepreneurs that might be listening or watching us right now, uh, throughout these twenty years, is there something, some word of advice that you would uh, you would give them in terms of? you know, starting their business or even if they already have their business going, you know, was there something throughout your experience that you think would be uh, valuable to them? Um, a couple of things uh, come to mind. One is uh, be open to opportunities that come your way. Really, like, don't, uh, I'm, I'm really, a, fine, a funny thing at this stage of my career too, uh, where I'm at is, um, don't be afraid to do something because you actually might get a yes. Right. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> right. You know, there's I, I did spend a lot of time, you know, scared to call people up and talk about my business or something like that. Just, oh, my, they might reject me. You know what? Who cares? Just put it right? out there. Put Try, it out there. Right? right. Just just like go and fail. That's yep. an, that's another great thing about uh, music is that's that how we're here sitting in front of each other. Now you reached out. I mean, we've known yeah, each other for quite right. a while and. You know, you reached out, and that, now we're right. sitting here and talking. That's right. Yeah, you might actually risk a yes if you if you, <laughs> if you don't bother. Um, and another really great piece of advice I got from one of these fellows, Russell Hartenberger in Nexus, years ago. We were talking about uh, one of the things as a percussionist, and I'll tell you this uh, from a musical standpoint is um, 
you all you play a ton of instruments. Your job is to be able to play a ton of instruments, like to play the xylophone, to play the marimba, to play the maracas, to play uh, this and that. So you get calls once you get into the circuit of being a percussionist, a known percussionist in a big city. You get calls, and then you get calls once in a while for an instrument that you might not have actually played very much in recent months. We call it the circle of neglect because we play so many <laughs> instruments that you actually can lose touch with some after a while. There'd be some that you play more frequently than the others. And uh, he, he, I remember he said to me, sometimes the smart thing to do is to know what calls to say no to. Uh-huh. Right? He said there's some wisdom in that. Like, don't go and put yourself in a situation where you're, where you're not going to do well. So yeah. I hope that doesn't sound contradictory. I said, you don't need uh, um, have don't have fear. Go and experience new things, but make sure you can go and do them well. Yeah, and do you think um, like I always I, I, I try to use that uh, analogy a lot of, of the using my gut feeling. Yeah, is is that something that you would advise as well? Yeah, you know, you know when you can, you know when you can deliver. Right. I think, I think it's even more important than ever. I mean, go out there and like what I meant by taking opportunities is something comes your way that you hadn't thought um, you might do, but you know you, you can, you can. Yeah. Then, then say yes, try it out, even if it takes you in a direction you weren't planning. I'm sitting here today because of a whole bunch of things that happened to me that took me in directions that I wasn't thinking about doing. And exactly. originally, it stemmed from the really from the Royal Conservatory coming to me and saying, "Hey, do you want to go?" Now, listen, I'm teaching a bunch of kids in my studio at the conservatory. They come to me every week, cost a lot of money to study at the conservatory, so I'm seeing a certain clientele there, and they're saying to me, we want you to take your drums up to Jane and Finch and be in a class of grade nine kids at nine o'clock on a Monday morning. Okay. I'll tell you, there's no corporate audience I've ever seen in my life as tough as, tough as a bunch of kids up there at nine, on Monday yeah. morning. Uh, you know? High school kids they, they can be tough. They sit there with their, uh, arm, their arms, arms <laughs> crossed, and you know what they're really saying? Prove it. We should bring Anna in. She's a high school teacher. She should. Uh, I'm sure she would have a couple yeah. of two cents on yeah. that. But they're 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 in their own way. They they were saying to me like everybody else is, says, says to me when I get up in front of them is okay. Prove it. Prove it. Why you're here. Prove mm -hmm. why you're here. Are you? Are you, do you feel? And just to kind of uh, end things off. Uh, do you feel that the the speaking um, world? Um, is 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 something that's growing more and more because um, of the importance it has with with the public and how much people now, even though we're all connected with technology, we're disconnected really with with people. And like I've been noticing that uh, a lot on my end when I'm when I'm online is like there's so many speaking uh, events and people doing that and like yourself. Do you feel like there's a bigger need now than th there was before? I do. I do. I feel, yeah, getting people together, getting people in a room, put, putting their phones down, looking each other in the eye. Yeah, mm. I think it's really important. I'm not sure. Uh, I, don't, st I still don't think there's enough of it going on. Yeah. I think, I think, I mean, it's growing for sure. It's growing, yeah. Because the need is growing too. Yeah, if, yeah, I, yeah. Uh, more and more people need to realize it, I think. I mean, just just watching people cross the street looking down at their phones. You know, I saw a guy in one of those, I don't know what they're called now, the the, the, uh, the uh, electric, like, unicycle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that you stand on. He's on his, on his unicycle, on his phone. And he's texting. And he's texting. And that's at the a same savage thing. move right there. Yeah. <laughs> so, Paul, any last words you want to you wanna leave our audience with? Go right ahead. The mic is yours. Um, 
I don't know, as I said before, just be open to opportunity. And, and uh, you know, just because you have a, it's great to have a dream about your business. I mean, my, my only dream was to, um, to try and have a career that had music in it. Was that, that's, it was, it was, it, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of a small thing to say, but it's a big thing to do, right? Is yeah. to keep that going in your life all, all the time. And that's kind of the thread that's, that's, that I've managed to keep going. I realized I loved music and I didn't, I've thought about doing other things and they just never do appeal to me as much. So you're doing what you love. I did. But, at, at, you know, at one time I, uh, you know, I would have been disappointed if you told me that I wasn't going to be a classical musician and play in an orchestra, um, and you told me I would have been doing all these other things. I might have kind of looked down on. So well, really, but that I don't want to do those things. I really want to be that guy in, in the orchestra, and that's mm -hmm. such a great career. Well, life didn't turn out that way for me, and a whole but but a whole bunch of other things presented themselves, and I just followed that, and I've managed to keep that thread. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the important thing to remember. If you've got something you love, it's just a thread to hang all the other things that you do on as your life goes on yeah and and realize that life evolves and you have to evolve with it that's right that's the bottom line yeah right? for sure paul thank you so much for uh for being here and uh we'll continue to talk and we'll put all of your information on the description so people can uh, go check out your website check out all the stuff that you're doing out there and um and yeah thank you so much oh thanks Jamie. it's been a real pleasure being here all thanks. right thanks, thanks. Thank you.